This is AMA Fantasy Football, the only fantasy football podcast dedicated solely to you, the fans. Email us your questions at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at amafantasy, and we guarantee your questions will be answered. Now, here is your host, Ellie Berkovitz. Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're all staying safe, and welcome to another edition of AMA Fantasy Football. You can find us on Twitter at AMA Fantasy. I am your host, Eli Berkovitz, and you can find me on Twitter at bookofeli underscore NFL. Today, I'm very excited to announce that we have special guest, Nate Hamilton, host of the Dominate Fantasy Football Show. And I'm just so excited to have you on, Nate. I love your all your content on Twitter and your podcast. So I just wanted to know, with the breaking news coming out this week, of course, of Cam Newton signing in New England, I just wanted to hear your quick thoughts on what that what do you think that means for Cam's fantasy value? Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Eli. I'll tell you right now, um, Cam New- Cam Newton. I'm a huge Cam Newton fan. So right away. I was I was curious as to where he was going to land, and when I heard it was the Patriots, to be honest, I was not super uh, excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with Cam being a mobile quarterback that he is, I, I'm very confident he can make plays, uh, even if he doesn't have the best surrounding talent, which is what I think the biggest issue is with him for me in 2020. The Patriots have kind of. You know, it's it's one thing when Tom Brady, you know, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time mm-hmm. at the position, has no one to throw to and he can still make things happen. I'm not that confident that Cam is the same type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I don't know. I, I'm not touching any of the wide receivers on the Patriots this year just because, um, again, they won't have the time with Newton as like for, for somebody – like uh, Julian Edelman, yeah. for example, he was just on the same page with Tom Brady. Like they, they could make a play without even thinking. And, you know, if you look at half of the throws, the throw was already to Edelman before he even turned his head. So, yeah. um, you know, th- there's going to be some growing pains when it comes to, you know, getting used to a new quarterback. But again, I, I think Cam Newton, because of, of his mobility, which means a lot in fantasy, I still think he can be a top 12 quarterback this season, and you're going to get him at a crazy value. Um, but again, it just doesn't make me love the wide receiver options uh, with, with the Patriots, which I wasn't so excited with them with Stidham to begin <laughs> with anyway. Yeah. Uh, but this doesn't change much for me for, for, for the pass catchers. But I, I am more excited about Cam than I am the pass catchers in New England. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that take. I think there could have maybe been a better potential landing spot for Cam, like at his, you know, for the top possible value he could have had. But anytime you're in New England, you got Josh McDaniels, you're probably going to be on a winning team, be in some scoring situations. So that should help. And I agree, the receivers, especially someone like Edelman, the connection him and Brady have, you can't replicate that for sure, not in one off season. So I don't know about Edelman, but what are your thoughts about James White? Because we saw McCaffrey have good success with, with Newton in the same backfield. I know White had a bit of a down year last. Well, not so much of a down year, but I just think, what do, what do you think about his mostly, obviously, PPR value? You think Cam can target him a lot out of the backfield, will be featured. Uh, what are your thoughts on James White? Yeah, I actually think James White is going to be a sneaky play this year um, just because, you know, to your point, 
Cam Newton, when he was dealing with a shoulder injury, did dump off a ton of passes to Mm -hmm. McCaffrey. Obviously, James White is not on that level, um, but he is somebody that can take control of an offense, um, and he was somebody that Tom Brady actually instilled a ton of confidence in and uh, went to bat for to have him heavily, more heavily involved in the offense. So I think that he's actually one of the key players in this offense this year. And, you know, when I say I wasn't crazy about the pass catchers, I was more talking about wide receivers. I do think James White provides some great late round value in fantasy leagues, especially PPR. Um, That's mostly where I would be targeting somebody like James White. Uh, Otherwise he'd be sitting on your bench uh, quite a bit in standard leagues. But yeah, yeah, I definitely think that he could easily become the safety blanket for Cam Newton because James White has the, um, you know, the, the talent to be a, a great blocker for Cam, uh, but also can find himself open in the flat uh, for Cam to dump off to as Cam takes some time to, to get used to this complex uh, offense that the Patriots have. I think that James White, can, he's going to benefit big time from it, for sure. Yeah, he's someone that more than anyone in New England, I could see myself targeting a decent amount. I just think his his ADP. I mean, he's dropping. His you could get him at a crazy good value, and I I don't see why he can't catch four to six balls a game. Honestly, with Cam, you know, even if he's not racking up yards and touchdowns, if you're playing in PPR, he's almost certainly gonna get you to that double digit range. So I like James White and Nate. I wanted to just you know get get those big breaking news out of the way just because it you know is so big. But sure. Before the fan questions, I just wanted to ask you, you know, maybe a little bit more about what you, how you cover the NFL, some of the things you're working on, how you've been dealing with this quarantine. Just, sure. Yeah. yeah. How, how's it How's it been the last couple months? Oh, it's been crazy, man. This, uh, you know, obviously um, staying at home is kind of uh, an adjustment to to get used to, and and you know, being I have a five year old son, so I'm I'm around him quite a bit, and he takes up <laughs> the majority of my day. I thought sure. I was gonna have a lot more time to work on fantasy, but uh, my son definitely takes priority there, and he's been he's been keeping me busy. But I, you know, I started my own solo podcast, the fan the Dominate Fantasy Football Show. Um, and I started with four episodes back in April, uh, covering all the free agency moves and things like that for each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. I'm working on a new uh, episode now that, you know, it, it's close to July here and we're, we're getting close to the fantasy football season. So I'm, I'm revving things back up with the solo project. Um, I'm also doing a weekly Ask Me Anything, an AMA mm-hmm. on Periscope and Twitter Live. Every Wednesday at uh, eight o'clock, I'm calling it Dominate at eight, nice. and you can ask me any question you want. You know, whether it be fantasy football, if you want to ask me any question in the world, <laughs> I, I'm open to answering all of them. So it's a lot of great interaction on that, and I'm actually pretty happy that I've been uh, been contributing and 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 doing my own live streams every week. Yeah, I actually think that's that's something I've personally been considering for most of this off season. I've never really tried doing the Twitter live thing, but. With not a lot of news, it just seems like a good way to engage some of the fans and get a good discussion going, whether it's about fantasy or, like you said, anything else. So for everyone listening, as Nate said, Wednesday night at 8, you can find them on Twitter Live and on Periscope. I would not want to miss it. I'm sure I'll be checking in this week. And now, Nate, let's let's head in straight into our first fan question. We got some really good ones today. Our first one comes in, and just for everyone listening, I want to thank everyone on Twitter we had our best Twitter output this week. 
So thank you all for sending in your questions. Our first one comes in from at T King mode. When doing a startup dynasty league, what is the best strategy in regards to drafting veteran players versus younger upside players? How, how do you like to find your balance there? So that's a great question because I'm, I find myself pretty unique. I would hope that there's more people like me, um, but I'm, I, you know, I fell in love with fantasy football playing redraft. Mm-hmm. So redraft mindset for me has never left, even when I play in dynasty leagues. So I, I always tend to go for a proven player over a draft pick. Mm-hmm. So for me, I normally am not heavily involved in any rookie drafts. And I know for dynasty lovers, that probably sounds crazy because, oh, what are you doing? You're missing out on the next Saquon Barkley or the next Zeke Elliott. You know, if, you, if you're not active in those rookie drafts. But for me, you never know how those rookie players are going to pan out. I mean, yeah. sure, there's a lot of hype and you know the talent, you know, in a college level. But for me, I don't really like to assess players because I don't watch college ball. So yeah. that's one thing. I'm kind of at a disadvantage, to be honest with you. But the truth is, I watch the NFL and I analyze the NFL. And for me, I like to see what a player can do on the NFL level when it's such a different beast. So for me, I always go after proven talent. Now, where it needs to, for a good balance, if we want to talk balance, you can still have a super young team of players that have five to six, seven years left in, in the NFL, maybe more, as long as you're getting those proven players that are still young. Yeah. So that's usually what I end up doing. Like I, I, I will sell my picks, but I'll still acquire, you know, a proven player that maybe is changing scenery and, and their values down a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, but I know that they are, you know, 24, 25 years old and there's plenty of time for them left in this league. And I know that they've been, you know, a, a very consistent player. Yeah. So that, that's how I approach Dynasty. I approach Dynasty football with a redraft mindset. And uh, again, I I'm always targeting the the proven talent over you know a draft pick. So that's kind of how I go with it. I, I like that point. I think a good example maybe of that would be someone like Juju Smith-Schuster, who broke out so well, had the bad year, nothing to do with him. He got hurt and he had no quarterback. His value yep. could be down a bit. And if if you could sell you know a rookie pick for Juju, who you know with Ben Roethlisberger should be a stud again. And someone just gets overexcited about, you know, Lamb or Jerry Judy. I'll take that every day. I know Juju can do it in the NFL. All these guys were great in college, but that doesn't help me if, if they can't translate to the NFL. So if I'm doing a dynasty draft, I'm with you. I'm, I'm drafting to win this year. You know, I'm, I'm, yep. I'm not going to draft my entire thing where it's like, hopefully I could win a couple titles in the next five years. Like <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, that's kind of one thing too, where I'm just like, if you're not playing to win this year, what are you doing? What are, we doing? <laughs> what are you like, doing? What, exactly. Look, you, you can still be a successful dynasty team, win this year and next year and the year after. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. This you're isn't going to be in it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm never in rebuild mode. I'm exactly. Never. I was going to say, I, anyone who like, you're not like a GM making millions of dollars where it's like, I'll do a rebuild and I'll keep, you know, making money next year. Like, no, you're playing to win. No like, rebuilds, no rebuilds in fantasy. I you got to go for the title every year. So I'm with you on that. And here comes our second question. Another one from Twitter. This one from Mike underscore Borquette. Regression is quote unquote coming for Lamar, but how much regression do you think is realistic for him? 
I'm, or or do you I'm, not see regression? I guess I, I should. Well, ask. That's the thing is I was just gonna say like I know he was like the most dominant player last year, but that doesn't always mean that that they're a perfect candidate for regression. I mean, he showed us that he can win through the air. There was yeah. a few games last year where he didn't run that much and he won by throwing the football, and that was something that was you know highly criticized on him that he's not a great passer. Uh, he's going to have to run a ton, which he still did. He, yeah. he ran over 1,200 yards last year. Yeah. So if there's going to be some kind of regression, it's going to be teams forcing him to throw. But he's such a, a beast of an athlete. It's just hard to plan against him. And I'll tell you what, 36 passing touchdowns, I mean, it's it's a lot, but that's it's a lot. not. That's not unattainable. You know exactly, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, not not... Like he, it's not like he went and dropped 48 touchdowns. It's like, that's not <laughs> right. happening. He can yeah, throw like over 30. Like, <laughs> exactly. He actually, it's still an attainable, and he only threw about 3,100 uh, passing yards. Yeah. So I honestly don't see a regression for him. And I think, you know, there's a healthy Marquise Brown uh, this season, and the, the offense is actually trending in a better direction than they were last year. So I don't, I don't personally see a regression with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, Lamar he seems like he could be that glitch in the system who literally it just doesn't matter like you know like almost like Vic like he's just if he's on the field you can't defend it he'll throw on you if you defend the pass he'll run all over you the only way he's not finishing as number one or maybe number two is if he misses time I mean it's just no way I looked at his numbers last night you could eliminate 12 touchdowns from his total and he would still finish as QB1 I mean that's just amazing it's ridiculous so yeah I mean, Lamar, for me, clear QB1. What Realistically, and I don't know, Nate, maybe I don't know how you feel about drafting QBs early. I probably will not be drafting him, you know, in the Same. third or fourth. But, yeah. look, I can't blame someone who does. He's almost a league winner, but I'm, I'm a wait on QB guy. But Same here. Like, I can't blame anybody for taking him, you know, super early um, just because I, you know you're getting guaranteed production out of that yeah. guy. Uh, but yeah, for me, there, there are just way too many later round quarterbacks that are perfect options exactly. <laughs> that I can I can stack up on my running backs and wide receivers early. So, as much as I love Lamar Jackson and his talent, I, that still doesn't doesn't yeah. <laughs> mean I'm gonna draft him. Exactly. In I mean, yeah, my like my entire life. I mean, I'm a huge Packers fan, biggest Aaron Rodgers fan you'll find. I've never had him in fantasy. I'm just I'm not I'm not gonna spend a top five or six round pick on a quarterback and if we're talking a few years ago a top three or four round pick so i'm with you i definitely wait on qb and our next question comes in from s bravo um this one's a bit of a a bit of a tricky one so let's see if you can work it out he's in a redraft league with one keeper he's keeping dalvin cook and then the remaining players being kept by the rest of the league are christian mccaffrey zeke and saquon and then you have Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs, Mahomes, Mike Thomas, and Julio Jones. So a lot of names, but basically yeah. I looked I looked at who was left, who wasn't being kept, and I think the consensus top five would be Kamara, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, and Joe Mixon. So of those uh-huh. five, if let's say you're picking number one, who would you pick out of those five guys? And you already have Dalvin Cook. What were the five guys again? The five guys were Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, and Joe Mixon. And you already have Dalvin Cook. Okay. So typically, I honestly, so 
the way I draft, I, I typically at the end of the fourth round, I'd like to have myself two running backs and two wide receivers. Agreed. Yeah. The way the wide receiver um, value I'm sh- I'm seeing in early mock drafts this year. And this is something that I, I feel almost every year. I'm a zero wide receiver guy, so I usually like to wait, um, you know, longer for wide receivers. So honestly, it's very close for me between Alvin Kamara and Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. um, of those guys. And it sounds like, you know, there's a ton of great keepers there. So I would probably still target my second running back, even though yeah. he's keeping Dalvin Cook. Um, Alvin Kamara is unbelievable in PPR. I'm not sure if he's in a, a PPR league or not, but um, and he's just when he's given the workload, he's a beast in that offense. And they're going to be another obviously high-scoring offense with Drew Brees still there, and he's declining as a, a, a as a passer, yeah. which um, just you know boosts Alvin Kamara's value even more. So for me, I think I, at the end of the day, I'll start my I would be ecstatic if I was able to have Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara on the same team and yeah. I can figure out uh, wide receivers later, plenty of them. Exactly. I, I, for a while, for years and years, you know, I was, I think everyone in fantasy was, you got to stack up on running back early. You got to go right. And then the last five years, there's been this zero RB shift that a lot of people are going towards. I saw a guy do it in one league and somehow, I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I believe he had Julio, AJ Green, like at his peak, Keenan yep. Allen, uh, DeAndre, I mean, just insane receivers, and he ended up winning. So I thought, okay, wow. maybe, maybe this could work. And he had horrible running backs, but he won. So I thought maybe this was the next year I did it. And honestly, I mean, just the value of running backs in fantasy, it's too strong. You could have a mil- you could have great receivers, but you get one injury to a running back, or you don't have a good running back, and you're not getting consistent points there. You're not going to win, in my opinion. Last I year. I tried it again, the uh, the zero running back. I believe I picked 10 out of 10. So I went back-to-back with, I think, Devontae Adams and Julio Jones, which at the time I was ecstatic about. But towards the end of the season, I was scrapping the waiver wire for running backs as I had some injury issues, and it just doesn't work. So I'm, I'm with you. If you already have Dalvin Cook and you have the chance to pair him with Kamara, you just guaranteed the best running back tandem in the league. And almost almost a certain thirty to forty points out of just your two backs every week. So 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 good. I mean, I've tried the I've tried getting wide receivers early and waiting on running back. But every time I do it, as much as I love the start of my draft, and I'm like, wow, these receivers. Are you kidding me? I always end up looking at my team at the end of it, and I just feel like the running back is the foundation of your team. Yeah. And if I feel like I don't have one of those elite running backs on my team. I don't feel like I'm going to be successful, and I'm usually not, and that's why I'm, I'm a zero wide receiver guy. No, I, I hear that. I mean, it's true. You could go and you really could stack up on amazing receivers in the first three rounds, but come the end of the draft, you're going to realize, unless you really get lucky on some late-round running backs, it's not going to work out too well. But let's uh, move on Move on to our next question, and this one's coming in, another one from Twitter, from at Mo Burko. And he wants to know which running back are you so excited about that you are going to avoid the current lead back in that offense? Oh, uh, for me this year, it's got to be Vaughn, actually, um, because a lot of people are still hyping Ronald Jones like he's going to be a thing. No. <laughs> and th- the way I feel about Ronald Jones is that we've seen flashes. Fine. Great. But in his NFL samples he's given us, I've seen more negative than good. Yeah. <laughs> so I – and. and then 
it speaks volumes that they actually went after a running back. What does that tell you? Yeah. They're not 100% confident in what Ronald Jones can do. So I think Vaughn's going to see a lot of work. And it is, it's all about, at the end of the day, what Tom Brady uh, feels more comfortable with. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I do end up – I believe that it is going to end up being Vaughn because he's going to have plenty of, you know, pass catchers to, to throw to. And, you know, two amazing tight ends, uh, two of the best uh, wide receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. So he's got plenty of power there where he doesn't have to focus highly on the run game. And I think, uh, you know, the rookie coming in uh, into a situation like that um, could benefit big time. So th- that's definitely, and I think it might have to do more with my dislike for Ronald Jones than my <laughs> love for Vaughn. But uh, that's my answer. <laughs> no, I hear that. Look, Ronald Jones, I was huge on him coming out of college, and we've seen what he is, like you said. He might have his flash plays, but he clearly cannot stay consistently good on a week-to-week basis. They went and they got Vaughn. I think anyone in a Tom Brady-led offense, if you're a running back and you're getting consistent touches, you're probably going to do good, especially considering they should score a ton. You could get a ton of goal line opportunities. So I like that call on Kishon Vaughn. And then uh, a more mainstream one, I guess you could say, would be Marlon Mack and the whole Jonathan Taylor thing. I wasn't a huge fan of Mack's as it is. And I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Taylor. And I think Mac doesn't do anything very different than Taylor does. They have Naeem Hines to catch the ball. So I think Taylor could really take over Mac's rushing role. Hines could catch some balls and Mac might just get lost in between it. So that's, that's the one I'm most nervous about. And our last, our last Twitter question of the day, this one comes in from at Dur Komizar 2. How do you feel about Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff this year? I guess just in general, both of them are in pretty good offenses. Had a bit of a down. I mean, Stafford didn't have a down year, just got hurt. Goff had a bit right. of a down year. How do you see them going this year? So for me, I'm, I'm higher on Matthew Stafford than Jared Goff, um, just because Stafford has always been like a very high volume passer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's always one of the best late round quarterbacks to grab. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff, I was never really on to him, and now, I mean, he still has two very talented wide receivers, but they don't. he doesn't have Brandon Cooks anymore, who was yeah. somewhat of a safety blanket in that offense, even though the, all three of them, between <laughs> him, Cup, and Woods, uh, you know, were pretty even across the board for the most part. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, he doesn't have Todd Gurley in that backfield anymore, so that might actually lead to more passing for him, but that doesn't mean we're going to see more production out of that. I think yeah. it's just going to – the way I feel about the, the Rams offense is just trending in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to stay away from Jared Goff this year, but I am definitely high on Matthew Stafford for sure. Yeah. Um, Stafford last year – I mean, every year we know he, he might not – the Lions may not win a ton of games, but fantasy-wise, Stafford's a stud year in, year yep. out. He's thrown for 5,000 yards, I believe, multiple times. He's always around 30 or more touchdowns. So, I mean, last year, Stafford, before getting hurt, he was averaging over 21 fantasy points a week, which would have finished as QB4. And most people were drafting him well after the 10th round. So I like Stafford. I think you will once again be able to get him in the double-digit rounds. He has a good trio of receivers in Galladay, Jones, and uh, Amendola. He has Hawkinson a new running back in DeAndre Swift. Yeah, Stafford's looking really good. And then, like you said, I mean, you could almost say the opposite for Goff. He lost his back. Depletion of weapons now. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, has a team gone from the top to 
just down like the Rams in the last club. I mean, they were at the peak and it went so fast. It's just crazy. Yeah, no. But look, you know, you have an injured back and then you give your quarterback all the money in the world. That's what happens. <laughs> um, and then here comes one more one more question. This one we got in via email and he wants to know, uh, Bill wants to know, who's who's your number one bus candidate? The guy you're just, you're not even going to really look at. Uh, let's say let's say in the top three rounds, a bigger name, someone someone you just don't think you're gonna draft. I got draft. one. Who's that? I got one, and it's somebody that I'm seeing going in the first round, which I can't wrap my mind around. I feel but, like uh, we're gonna have the same one, but go ahead, yeah, go. I don't know, Miles <laughs> Sanders yeah. for me. Yeah. I I cannot I don't understand how many times do people need to be tricked in a Doug Peterson backfield? Mm-hmm. You know. It's been, he's proven over and over, and everyone wants to keep saying, well, he hasn't had the talent. and That's not necessarily true because when, when Jordan Howard was healthy, he was, he was, he was putting in some work, yeah. right? And uh, if Miles Sanders was that good, then he would be have been pretty productive when Jordan Howard was in there. Um, and for me, I just think that Peterson loves switching things up in the backfield. And, you know, they've got plenty of talent uh, to throw to now. They've, like, drafted every receiver <laughs> in the world. Yeah. So – I think they're leaning toward the pass game than the run game, uh, you know, this this season. And Miles Sanders, to me, is easily one of those guys that I think he's going to provide value for you in fantasy football. I just think that he's being overdrafted. He's being overvalued. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not against his talent. I do love the guy's talent. I've seen him play. It's, he's very good. I just – I don't believe in his, his – uh, his coach, and I don't think that his coach believes in you know just pounding the ball, uh, giving giving a bunch of volume to one running back. He just doesn't do it. Yeah, year after year, the Eagles' backfield is is a nightmare. It's just it's just maybe the most confusing backfield of all, in all of football every season. I'm seeing Miles Sanders in the first round. I'm seeing him ranked in like the top six or seven running backs for fantasy. Like it's just crazy. Uh-huh. He could, he's a great talent. But he's not in an offensive system that's going to allow him to do that. So people jumping at Sanders and like that, you know, turn of the first, beginning of the second, I just think that's way too early for me. Another guy I think it just concerns me a bit would be Nick Chubb, only because of the presence of Kareem Hunt. We saw last year the role Hunt took on. And before Hunt actually came came back, Chubb is averaging over 17 fantasy points a game. Once Hunt came in, Chubb's average dropped down to 12. So Hunt's going to get all the passing work. And yes, Chubb will get a lot of rushing yards, I'm sure, and he could have some rushing touchdowns. But if you're playing in PPR, he's not going to have many catches. So it's just someone to keep an eye on, especially I've seen him also be going in the first round. And it's like when you have someone like Kareem Hunt in the same backfield, I don't know how you could pick him in the first round. But that's completely the, agree. I've, I've been I've been on that train since before last season started of how even in week 10, how Kareem Hunt is going to yeah. hinder Nick Chubb. And now that he's had, you know, some time in that offense and he's going to be in that offense for a full season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's a hit on Nick Chubb. They can both be productive, um, but it's not, you know, Nick Chubb is not going to return the value, which he's being drafted exactly I, I would much rather go for hunt multiple rounds later and Same. just get all those catches and he'll still get some carries so i'm with you on that and that that finishes up all the fan questions again everyone who sent in a question today i really really appreciate it everyone on twitter is a great showing and we're going to play a quick round of buy or sell right after we come back from a quick commercial break 
And we're back here on AMA Fantasy Football. And before we close out the show, I just wanted to play a quick round of Fantasy Buy or Sell. So, Nate, I'll throw out a couple scenarios, and you just tell me whether or not you buy or sell. Sure. So, first one, buy or sell. Will Christian McCaffrey be the first running back since LaDainian Tomlinson to finish as RB1 in two years consecutively? That's a buy. It's an easy buy for me. Yeah. Just I'm... because I can't go against Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Even though, you know, the quarterback situation doesn't look so great this year, um, but that actually falls in line with more work for Christian Helps McCaffrey. Him. He's, yeah. he's going to be the key. Not the, not the quarterback. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, that's an easy buy. Yeah, I it, it, you, there's a reason it hasn't happened since LT, but if someone's going to do it, it's McCaffrey. He's unbelievable. I'm also buying that. If he plays 16 games, he should finish as RB1. And now this one I have a ton of trouble with, so hopefully you can help me out. Buy or sell, Raheem Mostert will actually take control of that 49ers backfield and be someone you can rely on. I mean, if, if the Eagles aren't the most confusing backfield in football, it's the Niners. So how do you see that working? I'll, I'll start off by saying this. To me, that's a sell, just okay. because in that offense, I've seen them play around with the backfield so much. Um, again, another RBBC situation mm-hmm. uh, in San Fran. But where Mostert's going in drafts, I think he's worth the, the pick because yeah. – he does have that upside if he does end up getting the majority of work in that offense just because that's a it's a crazy good offense to be yeah. a part of in that backfield if you're going to get majority of touches, which I do believe he can. Um, mm-hmm. But if I was to bet on it, whether or not you know he's going to return that value, I would sell. But I think he's worth the risk. Yeah, I, I think he is going in that range where especially if you went like, let's say, zero running back, and you need a guy you think could be that guy, I think he's a good option. But you have to be wary just of Kyle Shanahan and his uh-huh. love of confusion and ruining fantasy teams everywhere. So Exactly. <laughs> and here comes our last buy or sell, Nate. And buy or sell, Philip Rivers will be able to sustain a fantasy-friendly offense for T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, the running backs. I guess overall, do you think the Colts' offense will be fantasy productive this year? I do. I think there's plenty of fantasy options there because of Phillip Rivers. Jack Doyle is one of those guys that I'm targeting, and a lot of people have forgotten about him, but just a few years ago, he led uh, all tight ends in in receptions. Mm -hmm. So, uh, And that was with Jacoby Brissett which (laughs) we all know Phillip Rivers loves targeting the tight end and pass-catching backs. So I do believe he can return value for T.Y. Hilton, the pass-catching backs in that offense, um, and Jack Doyle. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be able to provide enough to make Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman um, fantasy relevant. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll have their weeks, but I don't think they're going to be guys that I will be targeting personally. So... It's a yes and no situation, but I think that Philip Rivers definitely enhances the the fantasy value for most of the players that were listed. Yeah, so I think I think T. Y. Hilton can kind of fit into that Keenan Allen role. You know, I mean, Hilton could take the top off a of defense, but we know he's also good in short yardage situations. Great with the ball right. in his hands. So if Rivers could just get him the ball, I think Hilton has a chance to have actually a really good season. I'm pretty high in him, right. and he's going pretty late in drafts. So I like Hilton. And then the number one running back I think that will benefit should be Naeem Hines. I mean, if you think about it, 
I mean, he. It's just look. I don't know. I mean, you can't compare Hines to Eckler and Melvin Gordon, let's say, or Danny Woodhead even. But Hines uh. could catch. We've seen him have some big games. And Philip Rivers doesn't just like throw to running backs. It's like snaps the ball. Where's my running back? Where's Keenan yeah, Allen? Exactly. And then where's my running back? Like right. uh, every year, I end up drafting either Melvin Gordon or Eckler because I know it's just it's going to be catch, catch, catch. So. Hines, right now he's third on the depth chart. It's not like he's someone you're going to jump at. But if you're playing in full PPR and you want a decent late flyer, he's someone to keep an eye on. I think he could catch a decent amount of balls. Agree. And, uh, Nate, so that's all the fan questions. That's buy or sell. It was so awesome having you on. I really, really appreciate it. And before we head out, just remind everyone again where they can find you on social media and where they could find all your work. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm on Twitter every day of my life, so you can find me there, at DominateFF. Um, you know, I do have my solo podcast, the Fantasy Football, or the Dominate Fantasy Football Show, which can be found on every major platform um, and even all the minor platforms. I'm pretty sure I covered every platform there is for podcasts. Uh, and then also uh, my weekly AMA, uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, um, I jump on Periscope and Twitter Live, and I'm there answering all your fantasy football questions or all your everyday life questions. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right, everyone, you heard it here. Make sure to go give Nate a follow at DominateFF on Twitter. And I just want to do one quick thank you again to T King Mode, Mike underscore Burkett, S Bravo, Mo Burko, Dur, and Dur Komazar for your questions this week. Again, AMA Fantasy Football will be here every week with fantastic guests. Just send in your questions. You can find us on Twitter at AMA Fantasy, and you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. Everybody stay safe. Have a great day. We're out.